Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You are flying high on BGN Radio. This is episode 17, and it's a BGN Radio, and I am your host because John Stolz is not available. I'm Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL, but I do have with me today, may he forever reign, BLG, Brandon Lee Gowton. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Brandon, 24-18 Eagles take a, a very, very important win to keep them off the edge. How you doing, brother? Well, Mike, my voice isn't good. Uh, I was clearly yelling during the Eagles game all game long. <laughs> that is not actually why my voice is hoarse. But uh, there were moments like that today, obviously, of frustration. But ultimately, you know, the Eagles are 4-4 four and four now. They're heading into the bye. Cowboys game in week 10. Uh, they had to win this game, and they did. So is it perfect? No. Are there a lot of concerns? Yes. But is it a win? Yes. So overall, feel good. So Fletcher Cox says after the game about the rest oh of the gosh. NFL um, <laughs> that, quote, they've been warned, unquote. The, uh. the, yeah, I don't know about that. The big question, BLG, after this win over the Jaguars is, was this a turning point game or is it just the Eagles continuing to hold on to the ledge by their fingertips as they dangle over the precipice? I mean, the Jags are so bad. They man, are. Right? Like Blake Bortles. <laughs> I mean, he even had like for for Blake Bortles standards, he had a pretty, I think, OK or good game today, especially given how he's played recently. He was 24 or 41, 286 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. 88.1 passer rating, and he had eight runs for 43 yards. So, and a lot of those were crucial pickups for first down. So, overall, not even that bad, which is not good for the Eagles defense. But uh, overall, I'm not taking away a whole lot from this game in terms of the whole season outlook. And if anything, it could be bad because the Eagles just lost Lane Johnson to an injury. It sounds like it's an MCL sprain. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like he'll be out for at least a month. I think Adam Schefter said. Uh, obviously, the Eagles have a bye next week, so that'll be one of the weeks, but that's going to be tough. But hey, I mean, is it just me, Mike, or did the offensive line for being in the state that they were, missing Jason Peters and missing Lane Johnson, only allowing four sacks and nine hits, were they okay relative to expectation? <laughs> I, I hate saying they're okay when there's four sacks there, unfor unfortunately, but considering the reconfiguration that they had to do along that line just to field a complete unit, I don't put that all on them. And there were instances where there were free, free blitzers just coming through, but there was, there was one where it was double A mugs and Kelsey slides left and the linebacker on the right of him comes through clean and Smallwood is just lost in, in space. So it's, it's not just on the offensive line. It also comes down and we, we've talked about this ad nauseum on the Kiston Solak show about how the running backs have been a liability when it comes to pass protection. So you, when you talk about them, you can't just cite their, you know, their rushing stat line or them going for a, a big screen that's beautifully blocked up by Siamalo and Kelsey <laughs> and even 
Shelton Gibson downfield on the long window Smallwood touchdown you got to take in their whole game you got to take in their pass pro along with it too and I and I thought that still for me continues to be a concern and if Lane Johnson is going to be out for that month it becomes an even bigger concern because now you're talking about Jason Peters who has let's be honest, has not been good this season because he's been dealing with the quad injury, dealing with the biceps injury, and is in and out of literally every game. Now you have Lane Johnson out for an extended period of time. You have to put in Halapuli Vaitivaitai, who was bad this game as well. Mm-hmm. And you, then, what, at, at left tackle, you're going to, if Peters goes down, you're going to have to put in, you know, Siamalu. So now Siamalu, who... For all the praise that we've given him for being competent and solid at left guard, I've seen him play tackle. It is not pretty. He does not have the movement skills, the kick slide, just the technique to play tackle for a a consistent period of time or a long period of time. And when you consider how much help we have had to give Halapuli Vaiti Vaitai in the past, whether it be via alignment, whether it be through chips, you know, narrowing the way in which an edge rusher can attack Vaitai and him still not holding up all that well, if you have to do it on both sides, that really limits what the offense can do because then you get into a situation where it's third and seven and you have to chip with your running back on the left side. You have to chip with your tight end on the right side and it limits the route combinations you can run. They're later into their routes and it makes things more difficult for the offense as a whole. So that's something that really, really concerns me. Yeah, and and just going off of some of what uh, the line was able to do, I mean, the running game overall, uh, it was okay. Uh, you mentioned Smallwood just, <laughs> just <laughs> messing up so bad on that Miles Jack sack where it just just totally just comes clean, like unlocked through the line. Uh, and Jason Kelsey apparently just like talking, having a long conversation with Wendell Smallwood <laughs> after that. And we saw that in the Titans game. That was a huge issue. Right. So that's a big reason why, uh, you know, like, look, you know, Smallwood, he had that screen touchdown. That was nice. I mean, he was very wide open. He took advantage of it to his credit. But, uh, you know, even as a runner, and look, he ran hard at the end of the game. He had that conversion on the second and nine to seal the game. Give him a ton of credit for that. I'd love to see that at the end of the game. But, you know, overall, this running game, just it's, it's still not incredibly inspiring. You know, Smallwood averaging three yards per carry today. Corey Clement, man, the last two games, he has 12 carries for 12 yards. Like, yeah. dude. Uh, what's going on there? I mean, you're the guy who came out and you were like, you were going to say to Howie, you know, like, I will prove that you don't need to trade for another running back. Well, dude, you're kind of not proving your point here. Yeah. Uh, I still believe he's hurt. He said he, he isn't, uh, and the coaches have said he isn't, but I mean, 12 carries for 12 yards, that just seems like there's something going on there. And then running back number one, as Ben Solak <laughs> is reluctant to admit, as you're reluctant to admit, as I am kind of joking about here, Josh Adams. Yeah. Nine carries for 61 yards, 6.8 average. Over the last two weeks now, he has been the most efficient running back in terms of yards per carry. Is 13 for 78. He almost had a disaster of a day because that if he fumbles the ball there, <laughs> if his butt isn't touching the ground, I mean, the Eagles could like easily lose that game uh, with the Jaguars taking over a good field position. But wasn't a fumble. Results over process, clearly. <laughs> Josh Adams. No, and jokes aside, I don't think Adams is running back one, but I do think... He should be getting a little bit more work. Like a couple of weeks ago against the Giants, he didn't receive a single carry in that game. If Clement's going to continue to struggle and Smallwood is continuing to be not super impressive, I think you have to give Adams some touches. It's hard to crown one of these guys because they all have like fatal flaws in their game. Like Josh Adams, when he's on the field for me, is a huge run key. 
Like they don't trust him in the in the passing game whatsoever because he's still probably learning it. So he can't do pass pro. Uh, he's not a reliable wide receiver or a receiver out of the backfield. So you know you're going to run with him a lot, and he has been productive there, but it hasn't been anything special. Wendell Smallwood can't do anything in pass pro. <laughs> Corey Clement has been, like you said, I, he still may be hurt because he definitely looks slower. And Benjamin Solak mentioned on the last show that, you know, he put on some weight and he was like, oh, good. Corey Clement put on some weight. Now he just looks slower. And we don't know if that's because of the weight, if he can't carry the speed at that weight, which is a a very real thing. You put five, ten pounds on these guys and and you take away some of that burst and it can be an issue for some of these guys. But he has not been the same Corey Clement, not only in the running game, but a lot of his contributions last year were in the passing game. And he isn't staying in for third downs. The coaching staff isn't leaving him in for third downs. He's not the dynamic receiving threat that he was at the end of the year last year for the Eagles. So it's kind of like, for me, like the, the difference between these running backs is is not much. And you could pretty much sign anybody right now and get very similar production based on what the offensive line gives you from a blocking perspective. And there's still going to be struggles in pass pro. So that, I think, is what concerns me most about this running back group. But let's let's take a look. Let's, let's go back in this game and kind of maybe go through it chronologically and we'll, we'll jump around and whatnot. But my worst case scenario, and I mentioned this in the Kiss and Solak show when I was previewing the Jaguars defense, was a stunt strip sack. So this is obviously my fault mm-hmm. that that happened early in the early in the game. Damn it, Mike. <laughs> Marcel Darius comes looping around, comes from the outside. It was Carson Wentz's seventh fumble this year, his fifth loss. And I don't care what the situation is with the offensive line. That's far too much. Uh, either way, it sets up uh, a Bortles scramble fest which the Eagles were somehow not prepared for out of the gate, and a 3 nothing lead for Jacksonville after the Avante Maddox had a, had a nice stuff in the run game against Yeldon on third and one. And then right then is when we get the news that Lane Johnson was carded inside. And at that point, I started to get that feeling again, that creeping feeling that I've been talking about, like, man, it's hit after hit after hit. And, and you know, Jalen Mills goes out with a knee injury as well, and that kind of ties in what I'm talking about here, but... Like, when do they injuries just stop? It's every week that and and we blame the coaching staff for a lot of things or criticize them for a lot of things at the same time. How hard is it being a coach when you can't have one week of a stable lineup to play with? Seems super hard, right? (laughs) I mean, and then just and the burden, too, on Carson, which I think like he deserves a ton of credit in this game for him to start out as poorly as he did Mm -hmm. to have that fumble, which. Mike, how much do you put that fumble on him? Because I have I, I have a feeling about this, but I want to hear what you think about it first. Yeah, I think I think there are times where Carson fails to recognize some pressure because he's trying to give it that extra beat to make a mm-hmm. make a throw downfield. He kind of locks in a little bit. It's not necessarily that he bird dogs one read, but he gets to a point where he goes, "This is going to open up in a half a second. I just need to buy a half a second. And he can do a better job of stepping up in the pocket and kind of feeling that pressure. Uh, still. Coming clean on him in that amount of time, not his fault either. But I do feel like on the whole, there are times where Carson Wentz can protect himself and the ball a little bit better. But it's the double-edged sword with Carson because half the time he does get that extra half a second and half the time he does make that throw. Like that crazy third down throw where he was getting yeah, dragged exactly. out. You know what I mean? It's 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 both. It's both with him. So you have to deal. You have to be able to to deal with both. Right. Exactly. That's exactly my point there. Like, you know, you're, you can complain about the forced fumble there, but then you also have to give him a ton of credit for the play he makes on third down earlier, <laughs> which is like just insane. He's getting tackled as he's throwing the ball. And as you're watching that, you're like, oh, there's no way this is going to end up well. <laughs> I didn't even know if he was aiming for Matthews on that one. And when I first saw he, it, I was like, jeez. Yeah, it's crazy. And when you look at his final stat line, 
I mean, 21 of 30 for 286 yards. He's averaging 9.5 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, one interception, uh, and then a 119.6 passer rating. I mean, I feel like, you know, that's pretty impressive considering like where he started in this game. Yeah. We, are, we are not feeling very good. Uh, he should have thrown a couple more picks in this game, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He had a, 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 quite a few interceptable passes early on in this game and against bad players too, like Quentin Meeks, yeah. who who had like what, two snaps? Two snaps. He's undrafted rookie free agent and like just not good. But overall, and especially coming off of a game where, you know, he was being criticized for not being clutch uh, late against the Panthers. I mean, I think this was a clutch performance overall. Like this is, is the team's back is against the wall. He's trying to prevent the team from falling to three and five. He's pressing too early. There's adversity. The offensive line is just in shambles around him. Uh, the skill players aren't overly awesome. And he comes out and he overcomes that adversity. And he put up some big drives later in the game, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yep. And overall, just a, a really like that's a franchise quarterback performance for me. And, and I agree there. And there are a couple of points that I want to hit on with that. But I think your overarching theme is is correct. Number one, uh, Quentin Meeks only had two snaps. That's correct. Went undrafted. That's correct. I had a day two grade on Quentin Meeks. I think he's a doggone good football player. And I don't know why teams passed on him. And he had a very good day. So I want to pat myself on the back for that. Number two, Carson Wentz. What I said to someone uh, on Twitter at the time was they were saying, geez, man, Carson Wentz could have like three turnovers right now. And I said, you know what? That's that's absolutely correct. And it, and it was. But let's see how he bounces back from it. And it's a trade of Carson Wentz that doesn't get talked about enough uh, that I've talked about constantly with, with Benjamin Solak is that the mental toughness that Carson Wentz has to be able to deal with adversity. And he got a lot of flack for not being able to finish last week. I get that. That's all fair. Should have checked it down to Smallwood. Again, double-edged sword. He wants to make the big play. Thought he saw something pre-snap, and then he got fooled by Keekly. I get it. But the mental toughness, just in general, the competitive toughness that he has to be able to bounce back from a poor start like that, to be able to come back in the second half and finish the game out and make the plays necessary that needed to be made to get this team over the top is very encouraging and something that should not be glossed over with this game. So, I mean, look, you come out in the, and we'll we'll move forward in the game because I think I think we dealt with that nicely. But second half, here are my notes in the second half. Uh, BLG, this is verbatim stream of conscious Mike typing <laughs> on his keyboard while Love looking it. at a TV screen. <laughs> okay, check. Dexter McDougal is a liability. Check. Yes. Mills carted off more secondary confusion incoming. Check. Let's go, Soul. Please, Soul. Please, Soul. Be good. Oh no. Oh no. Oh yes. Okay. Good series. Okay. Do that for the rest of the game. Please don't throw up McDougal. He is a liability. He can't stand up. What is going on with Dexter McDougal that he can't? He fell down three times in like seven plays. He's still getting starter reps at the nickel position, which is a starter position for the Philadelphia Eagles right now, especially with Corey Graham being out. They're not doing the the big nickel sets that they like with the three safeties because oh, I'm actually kind of glad Corey Graham is out. But at the same time, what's the difference between Corey Graham and Dexter McDougal? They're both bad. They're both a liability. And it feels like that's just like a weakness that teams are really going to attack. And with Mills being out, Rasul Douglas comes in. He has a he has a good first drive, and then I believe it was the next drive on a third down. He loses yeah. his bearings in a cover two zone. He doesn't have a threat in front of him. He doesn't get deep enough. He's looking at the quarterback, not not taking care of his, his responsibility. Because in a cover two zone, you can drop back 15 yards into the sideline if you want to, if there's no threat in front of you. And he kind of looked lost out there, and you start to think, well, maybe that's why he hasn't seen the field through all of these Jalen Mills struggles, even though Jalen Mills is technically Jim Schwartz is like adopted son but <laughs> what do you think about if, if Mills misses significant time what do you think about the secondary with Russell Douglas on the outside 
and Dexter McDougal still starting in the slot if, if Sidney Jones can't get healthy through this bye week? I mean, that's probably what it is going to be. Uh, you mentioned uh, Rizzo getting beat. Was it, it was a, by uh, David Grin- Greenwich. Greenwich. David Greenwich like, has the athletic profile of the UPS man. I was going to say, you called him a UPS yes. guy, <laughs> which, is, which is probably accurate uh, and, and very uh, upsetting that <laughs> – that guy was somehow beating the Eagles defense ultimately. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's where they are. And sticking within the secondary, I mean, well, Rizul, one more thing about him. He did have that big pass breakup yes. on that third and one, which is was great to see. Yeah, he closed down on that nice and quick and was there in his awesome. where he needed to be. It was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Um and unfortunately the Eagles just gave it up the right the next play because, you know, Jordan Hicks was caught in kind of a no man's land there. I feel like he has to be more aggressive there. I don't know. I mean, it's I guess it's tough. He doesn't have eyes in the back of his head. He doesn't know who's leaking out behind him. But, I mean, geez, it's just like it's watch Blake Burles get the first down. Ultimately, it worked out. But uh, the other thing I wanted to say about the secondary specifically was Avante Maddox. I mean, boy, did he yes. have a big role in this game early on. And That's I, who I wanted to talk about next, man. Yeah, go for it. He's a, he's a baller. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to use that word to describe him because this is a guy who was drafted in the fourth round. I watched him in OTAs in minicamp and he looked lost not like because he was slow and he couldn't compete athletically just because you could just tell like this is a guy who did not play nickel extensively in college he's coming into the NFL he's learning this new position he doesn't know exactly where to be you know new scheme new defense and you would just see him blow coverages often in practice and I think he's just come such a long way since then now he's a starting safety (laughs) a position he's never played in his life he's coming down and making He's putting his helmet on the ball and forcing a fumble at a key moment in the game on Keelan Cole. What was the other big play he had that I cannot remember at the top of my head? I know um, he, he had the, he had the I think I mentioned it already, the, the stuff on oh, third, the third down yeah, early in game. Stop. Yeah. So, I mean, like, to get that out of a rookie, and then yeah. in, the, in that same amount of time, uh, I, just, I know we're sticking the defense here, but, like, for the theme of the 2018 draft class really coming up, I mean, you have Maddox making those plays, then Dallas Goddard scores a touchdown. I mean, like, boy, nice to get something out of the, the, uh, the rookies there. Yeah, and that's exactly what I wanted to talk about, like I said, because you look at Avante Maddox and a guy that has been put in a situation that not many rookies, fourth-round rookies, could deal with having never played the position. And we talk a lot about uh, on the Kiss and Solak show about how, you know, this this is a team effort. This isn't let's point at the defense all the time or let's point at the offense all the time or let's, you know, hit the seesaw too hard on one side to, to make our points this is a team effort. Every now and then the defense has to make a play, regardless of their points per game, regardless of the success rates and, and the blown leads and whatnot. They have to make a play sometimes to set things up for the offense. And the offense has to, in, in turn, not put the defense in bad situations with turnovers that put their backs against the wall. Both have happened this year. It's been a team failure, not an offense, not a defensive failure, but a team failure. And what Avante Maddox does is he comes up and he makes a play on Keelan Cole, who fumbles. It's picked up by Jenkins. It gives the Eagles ball in Jaguars territory down three points and with under two minutes and a half to go. Huge play for a defense that has failed to create turnovers this year. And they follow it up. The offense does because it's a team effort, BLG. They follow it up with a play that I love. They call it leak in the Shanahan playbook, in the Kyle Shanahan playbook, where you have play action with two vertical routes to clear out and you leak your tight end across the line shallow and then he shoots up vertical on the other side of the formation. Boom. Touchdown, Dallas Goddard, 32 yards. You feel good going into the half at 10, at 10 to 6, as good as you can with the situation going on around them because there were still free blitzers humming all around and whatnot. But still, 
hope is alive going into the half. How? What were your feelings? We'll, we'll bring it back to the halftime feelings overall for offense and defense, wherever you want to go with it. How was your feeling being up 10-6 at the half? Well, my feeling after watching Dallas Goddard get that touchdown was clearly we need to get Josh Perkins more involved in the <laughs> passing game. And, and not – no, I'm kidding. Uh, apparently – uh, Perkins had a good block on that Dallas Scotter touchdown play. I did not see it. Does not count, therefore. <laughs> but um, no, it's just kind of frustrating because, like you know, earlier in the year we were seeing that at times, and ultimately Goddard still only had one target. And I get it; he's a rookie. I've said all along, like you're not going to just force feed him the entire offense right away. I get it. Mm. At the same time, like good things happen when you target this man. Like let's continue to do this, please, because like, again. Good things happen. He can get yards after the catch. That's not something, you know, for, for as good as Zach Ertz is, and he's having a monster season, he needed another big touchdown today. You know, it just that play at one point where the Eagles are throwing to him behind the line of scrimmage, it's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. it's just – it's an automatic loss. Like, Zach Ertz is not getting you those yards. So, <laughs> I was I was feeling good, I think, up 10 – still not, like, great up 10 to 6, but I was feeling encouraged that whole sequence with Maddox – getting that forced fumble, and then the Eagles taking advantage was like, okay, there's some there's some life here. This yeah. isn't just like another game where uh, they're just not showing up and everything's going wrong. Like, this is something to work. And then you come out of the half, and we'll just kind of go through this chronologically to hit on to hit on some big points. You get you come out of the half, you get a big run by Josh Adams where Ertz gets a nice two-for-one block on split zone. Uh, usually he cuts his end man there, but he stayed on his feet, and he picked up a linebacker too to give Adams a huge lane who finished the run nicely later you get a big catch in that drive by Jordan Matthews on third and two. And what I like about that route <laughs> and look, hey, look, you know me, I don't, I don't care about, you know, uh, how the seesaw slams on either side. I just want to talk about oh, pick I, a side, Mike. You have no. to, this is it's all that takes. No, sorry. Uh, look, Ma- Matthews has for me not been that good this season, but what he did on that route from, from the slot on third and two is he's running a deep over. He delays his release because he understands the timing and the landmark he needs to hit to get the rub from the route coming from the other side later in that route. And then he goes up and makes a good catch. And look, his drop rate coming into this game was 14.3%. That's terrible. But he showed up big time in this game. So credit goes to him, especially on that one. That was a big conversion. Right after that, you get the screen to Smallwood for 36 yards. Again, Siamalu, Kelsey, and Gibson blocking downfield, all doing their job. Excellent contributions by all parties on that drive. One of the most complete ones I've seen from the Eagles this year. You've even got an Alshon Jeffrey uh, conversion early in the drive on a beautifully run slant versus Jalen Ramsey, who was shadowing him all game because he's the better receiver than Jordan Matthews. Great job all around. <laughs> <laughs> we just bury that in there real quick. I like that. <laughs> and the Eagles go up 17-6 to and then proceed to give up. A nine-play, 75-yard drive, and Bortles hits Westbrook, who hit Jenkins with a double move with cover zero for the 11-yard score. And at that point, BLG, knowing what you know about this team, against what they did against the Titans, the lead they blew there, and then last week, the 17-point lead that they blew against the Panthers. Last year, for me, in 2017, I would not be concerned because I had so much faith in this team. I did not have that kind of faith this year. Did you kind of feel the same way in that moment right there? Well, it's the second game in a row where the yeah. offense had a 90-plus yard touchdown drive where they're you know, just methodically marching down the field, and they finally get a touchdown. And for an Eagles offense, 
that hasn't been scoring a lot of offensive touchdowns this year, it's a very good feeling to finally get that thing. And all of a sudden, the defense comes out and it, it almost feels like they like, oh, we don't have to take this super seriously. <laughs> like, like, because they just go to the offense comes out. And then and I look, I know the other side is desperate, too, but it just feels so momentum crushing yeah. when you score that touchdown. You work so hard for it. And all of a sudden, the defense just allows the other team to immediately go down the field and score. It's like. It's like, Sports, it's like what the hell, man? It just nullifies it out. Yeah, it's so it's it's just frustrating. Again, second week in a row where that happens. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm sure it's just not like hey, you can kick it up now. But it just to see that it's just it's like what what's going on here? Like how are you not on guard? And then of course naturally after that, so after the Eagles score that long touchdown drive, and then they allow one. Naturally, the offense comes back out and they go three and out. It's just like, come on, this is <laughs> we've seen this. Like that's where everything went has been going wrong. Yeah, and, and I mentioned the cover zero and and they threw it in on that drive where they got scored on. They got torched by it again. I had been complaining, why are we not dropping out of that to disguise it? They start to do it and then nobody can execute. Dexter McDougal falls down. Brandon Graham and Nigel Bradham let let Bortles just run right through for a scramble for a conversion. But this is what it comes down to: seventeen. 15 fourth quarter the Eagles had the lead there's 13 minutes left I put in my notes in all caps this is the drive where you need to finish it as an offense and they do six plays 75 yards solid on the ground solid through the air Wentz made plays with his feet and then you get Ertz five yards from the end zone you get him singled up against a jobber let's just call him what he is I don't even know I think his last (laughs) name is Herndon but he's a straight-up jobber you get that matchup one-on-one. You take it 100 times out of 100. Ertz attacks his outside leverage, gets square with him, creates that route optionality, tilts the jobber inside, and it's easy money outside from there. 24-15, 9.55 left. BLG, how are you feeling at this moment? Once they score this touchdown, I'm like, all right, they're definitely <laughs> not going to blow this lead like they did last <laughs> week. Um, no, I, you know, again, feeling good, but overall, just – with the way I just seen, you know, the the defense give up that drive, I'm like, man, I'm just I'm expecting more bad things to happen. So naturally, uh, I'm wrong, of course, as I often am. And you know, they they come up big with that stop again. The the fourth and one was a little like, I, okay, we're just gonna give that up. I, okay, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, I know it's a tough spot for Hicks, but it's just like it was so casual. It's just like he just like Worlds could just like stroll backwards out the sideline. I, I felt to. like Hicks needed to make a decision there. It was either one or the yeah, other. Either I I th- and I think forcing the throw with Bortles moving to his left, which is yeah. away from his ball hand, was the move, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly what it – like force him to do something, right? Like don't do – don't just – Give him the play, like free, like either like drop back and don't give him the catch, or yeah. like go after him, yeah, and try to make the play. So, uh, yeah, that was that was tough, but ultimately, again, for them to come up big like they did on that fourth down, and for Darby to have good coverage on that play, I mean, that just and then let's give Fletcher Cox credit here, man. That yeah. that pass deflection, deflection on third yeah. down was huge. I thought, I mean, oh my gosh, I was so ready for someone to pick that off because like that was prime. <laughs> Like defensive lineman pick off that pass material there, but oh yeah, I was waiting for it, but unfortunately it didn't. But I mean, he was huge in the clutch there. Um, That's why you pay a player like him a lot of money. So overall, you know, the defense they stepped up. They only allowed 18 points, which you know is good in a vacuum when it's Blake Bortles. It's and and when it's a team that's averaging nine points 
scored in their last three games. It's not yeah. like super <laughs> impressive, like, oh, my God, we're the best defense in the league uh, yeah. to write home about. But, you know, I think overall step in the right direction. Absolutely. So one fourth down conversion tries too many for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Eagles end up winning with a final of 24 to 18. BLG, you want to go to three words? Yes. There's a lot okay. of, of course, we have a lot of three words here. Do you want to read these? Do you, do you want me to read these? We can alternate back and forth. I'll, I'll, I'll pitch okay. you one, see your thoughts. If you have one after that, we'll, we'll go after that. Um, Benjamin Solak pitched in right away with, uh, at Benjamin Solak with, <laughs> we won, comma, so. <laughs> like, I yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess. And John, John Stolness, uh, our other uh, regular BGN radio host, in all caps, says, not dead yet. That's true. That's okay. true. Definitely avoided the pitfalls of this game of going from historically a 32% chance if we won to make the playoffs to an 8% chance if we lost. So it's a it's a big win, and we are definitely not done yet. Uh, one here we have from Brendan Bishop 40 is go get Jackson, which is obviously a reference to Deshaun. And a quick aside mm-hmm. on that, what do you feel about that, Mike, Deshaun Jackson? Yeah. We uh, we have talked about the lack of a uh, outside wide receiver that can give us meaningful production. I think that's valid. I do do not think that that option is Shelton Gibson. People want Gibson. I don't think they realize why Gibson's not seeing the field. Gibson is perfectly fine against off coverage and running real fast and and, and whatnot. You're going to get that chance maybe once a game Mm -hmm. really thinking realistically he cannot deal with contact he cannot contribute to the shallow and intermediate of the fields right now in my opinion and that's why he's not seeing the field so as far as getting someone like Deshaun Jackson that's starting to get towards the twilight of his career I mean we saw how dangerous he can be he burnt us for 75 uh, yards per reception still 22.9 exactly like he is a legitimate deep threat and I think this win makes it to where teams are still going to be hesitant because we are a competitive team mm-hmm. to, to make trades with us that are still favorable to us as far as the capital that we give up. Uh, that's that's the double-edged sword of that because if we lose, then it's easier to make that trade, but then why make that trade? Because you're not as in contention as much. But I would I would have no issues whatsoever uh, – bringing in Deshaun Jackson as as a veteran and how much a veteran should cost, which is not that much. You're not talking about a 26-year-old, 27-year-old or, or a Patrick Peterson or anything like that. Um, I would be okay with bringing him in for a reasonable cost to give us that downfield threat that we are obviously missing because the explosive plays have not been there this year. Yeah, I mean, I think on, uh, from a football perspective, it makes sense. Um, and even like cap wise, he's only under contract for 10 million cap hit next year, which is like, that's pretty reasonable, I think. And, yeah. and if you could get him in here and that's the thing, like, it's not even just about this year. You have that extra year for next year, which I think there's value in that. So I think one thing that complicates it is that Jason Light, a former Eagles employee, mm-hmm. I don't think him and Howie have like the best relationship. So I don't yeah. think he's just like given, I don't think he's just giving Deshaun to Howie. It's, it sounds like the Bucks don't want to trade him at all. And right now they're three and three, but they're, I think they are losing to the, to the Bengals. Um, so they could drop to three and four and maybe the Panthers and the Saints win and they would kind of solidify uh, themselves out of the NFC South race at a, at a point. So we'll see. I'm not counting on it. And, and what we do know is that the Eagles are very interested in the running back market and yeah. the wide receiver market. So a trade definitely could come in that respect. I think a trade happens before the yeah. deadline. I don't know if it's big. I don't know if it's significant. But like, you know, how we cleared up cap space, there's been all these rumors. They're four and four. So they're like, you know, and especially we'll see how this Washington game goes. Uh, it's obviously being still played. 
as we are recording here, Washington's yeah. up seven zero. But especially if they lose, I mean, they would be four and three, and the Eagles would be four and four at that point. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure how he. Like, I'm not saying you go all in on this season. By I'm like by any means I'm not saying that, but I think it's encouragement to be aggressive though. Yeah, like you gotta. I think you have to try to find some kind of value out there and try to add something to this team. If even if it's not like you know the biggest cost, but you could you feel like you can add something. So Spencer Ware, Spencer Ware, you've been, you've been pounding the table. <laughs> um, uh, speak, speaking of guys that we can make a move from, Chase at Booty Flicks <laughs> <laughs> says. Oh, wow. Says leave Dexter McDougal. Yeah, <laughs> in London. I mean, who's going to play this slot at that point? Look, man, what, what's Me? the difference between Dexter McDougal and any other cornerback that you've got? What's I the difference know. between Dexter McDougal and Quentin Meeks, who was also undrafted? Yeah, I don't know. Another good one here is uh, from AJ Mitchell with one L at the end. Uh, time for my lotta. I mean, not right now, right. but it's really like not that far off as you were mentioning earlier. And just in terms of the injuries, like if Lane's going to miss time and JP's going to miss time and God forbid there's more injuries to that position, like it's, we're getting closer to it. It, it takes Peters, you know, being out for a week uh, in the time span that Lane is out. And it takes either, you know, a one more in, and I don't want to, you know, knock on wood. Obviously I don't want this to happen, but Samalo or Wisniewski or someone like that to go down and you and you need another guard and hopefully you don't plug in Chase Warmack, dear God. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the season, if, if it was Big V and Mylotta with the luck that we're having this year, I would not be, I would not be shocked. Oh boy. <laughs> that is depressing. Uh, let's see here. We got Glad Bortle Sucks from Upland Bobby. Uh, we got Hello Bye Week from Sean Murphy. I Murph 22 on yeah. Twitter. That's huge, man. That's so huge with how this team is banged up. It feels like you can hit the reset button and it's all going to come down to the division with five games left for the remainder of the season. Those five divisional games is really going to decide things. Yeah, if the Eagles can uh, get healthy during this bye, I think you probably get Darren Sproles back. I guess at this point, um, Corey <laughs> Graham, uh, it's not like you really des- necessarily desperately want to get him back on the field, but he can help <laughs> on the special teams at least, or, you know, at yeah. least be a warm body. And then, you know, Nate Gary, special teams, uh, who else? Sydney, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe he comes, I don't think he comes back like right after the bye. I'd be a little bit surprised, but maybe he does. I don't know. So there should be some reinforcements on the way, obviously at some point soon here. The Eagles will be able to activate Mike Wallace and or Mac Hollins. If those are the guys they choose, I think those guys come up eligible around week 10 and week 11. Hmm. If I'm not, or I think Mac Hollins is like around during the bye, so week nine. And I think Mike yeah. Wallace is after, or after, it's after week nine, I think, for Hollins and after week 10 for Wallace. So those guys could potentially be on the horizon. Timmy Jernigan, not counting on him to play this year, but, you know, maybe there's an outside chance that happens. So there could be some reinforcements on the way. That's the positive end of the injury spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully you get healthy during this bye. You come out. And if you beat the Cowboys, I mean, I think people are feeling pretty good at that point. I mean, you'd only be yeah. five and four. But beating Dallas and the game is in Philly and the Eagles will have extra rest. Like that's at that point, again, you're working with something there. And that's where the Eagles are right now. It's not like the season is saved. It's not like, you know, you should be dancing in the streets. But they won. So that's cool. And again, it's just it's so much better to be here at four and four, obviously, where historically I was looking at it where I think the four and four teams have like a thirty three percent chance of making the playoffs. So yeah. not good, but better like eight. yeah, pretty, you know, still alive. And 
uh, three and five is like seven percent. So it's yeah, a big exactly. difference. Absolutely. And look, this win wasn't like real big in the grand scheme of things. It's a non-conference opponent, but it was necessary. The big win comes next week with the divisional win against the Dallas Cowboys. Us winning today allows that game to be important. So, you know, it's important in its own way. All these games are going to be important. We talked about the need of the, the Eagles to have a run in this situation. Every, every team that you look at that started at three and four that ends up making the playoffs in this situation has a run where they win six out of seven or seven out of eight. The Eagles need to go on that run. That includes it. I think it was the 2013 Chip Kelly Philadelphia Eagles yeah. had a similar situation. Yeah, they got off they to one and three or one and four that year. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, last one I want to read from uh, at Alaska RWS. I was asleep, and that's totally fair. I get it. Uh, you did not miss anything other than the quintessential Eagles game. Only you're slightly happier than usually this year. Uh, PLG, do you have any others? You any other points you want to touch that, touch on before we uh, before we get out of here and watch some football? Yeah, a couple quick things. Um, again, sure. uh, the running game overall. I just think you you gonna. I think you need to continue to get all of those guys involved and kind of see what the hot hand is in in any given game. I don't think uh, anyone is just too good where you're like this is our number one guy and we're just gonna stick with him. Um, receiving wise, I agree. Gave J Mac credit. Uh, <clears throat> I want to take back some of his credit because obviously that's my brand now. Obviously, he was <laughs> super clutch. I'm not saying he sucked, but I just want to say like, come on. The Jaguars were without three of their top four corners. We said that going into this game, that they were going to be weak there. And he took advantage of some rookies. So credit to him for doing it. But I'm just saying, like, we can we can pause on, like, the, oh, my God, he's back and everything. Nelson Aguilar getting involved vertically was great to see this week instead of just at the line of scrimmage. He had a long right. 39 today. He had three for 49 overall. So that kind of brings his yard for catch up this year. Um, overall, just again, it's not, it's not this, oh my God, everything is fixed kind of win, but it's, it's a win and I'll take it. And at the very least, it makes me feel like the season is alive for at least a couple more weeks here. So I'll take it. You hear that, guys? We get to be alive for two more weeks at the very least. Eagles win 24 to 16. I've been Michael Kiss. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Kiss NFL. He's been Brandon Lee Gowton, may he forever reign, <laughs> at Brandon Gowton on Twitter. Uh, look, iTunes reviews are greatly appreciated. We recently eclipsed 500 five-star ratings, which is amazing. We love you guys for it. Over 200 written reviews. Continue to write those reviews. We'll read them on the show. Me uh, as Jason Statham and Benjamin Solak as Michael Sarah will be back to cover this game a little bit more after we watch the All-22. Obviously, we'll have press conferences up and whatnot to give you more context and info about this game. But for now, man, four and four going into the bye doesn't seem so bad. And remember, at the end of the day, we all we got, we all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. That doesn't make sense. Hey guys, this is John Stolness from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season. Man, the 2018 season was, well, it was interesting anyway, and the upcoming offseason looks to be even more interesting. So if you want to stay up to date on all things Phillies this offseason, subscribe to the Good Fight podcast feed and get my podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phil's podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and the Dirty Inning, 
a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk, looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. And you'll get bonus podcasts every time big news is made with the team. Seriously, if you want to stay up to date on everything revolving around your favorite baseball team as they return to contention, make sure you are subscribed to the Good Fight podcast feed.